Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Today's story comes from Paul Shepard, a Sydney-based entrepreneur, coach, and creator of a unique system that helps leaders live a life of purpose and meaning through his 360-degree holistic approach that nurtures the mind, the body, and the soul. After multiple successful years in business, Paul discovered that his life needed to change. Despite all the success, he didn't feel fulfilled. So he went on a journey. On that journey, he discovered himself, his true values, and his calling. Enjoy the discussion. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could, I'm feeling we'll kind of take the conversation where, wherever it needs to go. But um, I believe in having people introduce themselves kind of in their own words and, and speak in their own. I think there's power in kind of speaking a little bit of your own um, beginnings and your own origin story. So if you want to start there, let's just jump in and hear a little bit about you and just what you've done, where you come from, what change means to you. You definitely don't have a lack of it um, in your background. And we'll just go from there. Sounds good, man. Um, well, <clears throat> let's go back to 20 years old. Right? I got my first corporate job. And I thought I'd go into corporate because I can make more impact there. Right? I, was, I was doing small business um, personal training, actually. And I was doing one-to-one. I loved the actual the contribution of being able to help someone transform their mindset which then allowed them to transform their body, gave them a whole new level of confidence and changed their world, literally. Their relationships changed, their income levels changed. It's a, it's a really powerful strategy for change. So I thought, I, I'm not making enough impact here. So let's, let's go and learn some business skills, right? And I was never really a university guy. I didn't see studying three years at that age anyway as a, as a good use of my time because I had no experience and I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I get into corporate and within three months I'm offered, sorry, within two years I'm offered three redundancies. And I thought, holy shit, what the hell's going on here? Like, I thought there was job stability in corporations. But the most powerful lesson I learned at that age at 2021 or 
2022 at the time was change is constant. That's the only constant in life is change. And I thought, wow. So I, I better adapt to this and get used to this and, in fact, lean into this if I'm going to enjoy my life. So spent a couple of years doing that, got out, <clears throat> obviously took a redundancy the third time, had a world trip, came back and started my first business. So I fell into this doing, um, I was consulting to a company doing marketing and strategy and um, the founders approached me and said, hey, you want to do, you know, run a security company with us? Like what? Never thought about that, but yeah, I've always wanted to have my own business. Why not? So that was transporting money and valuables for Thomas Cook Travelex and uh, doing a bit of bodyguarding work and not something I thought I'd want to do as a kid. But hey, I was working with some pretty cool dudes. One guy was ex-military and intelligence and advisor to the government, and his business partner was in you know, underworld and he was a healer. So this white hat, black hat world synthesized and they had just this formula for delivering really good outcomes. I couldn't run a business uh, financially, but they were really good at what they did operationally. And what was interesting was this guy, the Maori guy, was just the most charismatic character. And I remember spending just months and months, three, four, five nights a week at his house till two, three in the morning. And he'd share all this wisdom from the tribes people all this ancient stuff and then he introduced me to healing where he could literally pull trauma out of the body if you've had ptsd if you've had uh, any kind of trauma there's it actually manifests in the physical and he could just rip that out put that into the earth and me witnessing the transformation of these people that he was healing at the time because i actually went to the healing sessions with him i'd drive him there and drive him home that was an eye-opener for a 20 sort of three 24 year old kid i was just like whoa it's a whole new world. So fast forward a couple of years and I lost that business and a second business I had in communications. Uh, essentially, you know, some of the business partners I had thought they could make a lot of money out of me and got me into a lot of debt financially. And um, that was a, a, a that was my most traumatic point in life where I thought, well, what am I going to do? You know, I thought I'd be retired by 30. I'm offered contracts worth millions. Um, most of which I didn't take because they didn't resonate in terms of who I was. <clears throat> I'd probably have to do some things I would regret later. And yeah, so I lost everything. And at that point I thought, you know what, I've lost business, I'm in debt, I've lost my properties, I've lost relationship, I'd lost everything literally, including my confidence and my self-esteem. So I joined, uh, joined Special Forces at the time. That to me was a bit of an escapism. I thought, why not just see what happens? see what I can learn. I want to keep learning, keep growing and push myself, but I need a you know, pivot. I need to change. I need something different to shake things up a bit to, to get out of the rut. So I did that for four years, learned a ton through that experience, um, but also realized it wasn't for me. You know, there's a lot of programming going on in there. A lot of um, just, I, I would question things. You know, I was put, put forward to go through as an officer. I chose not to because I wanted to go through and earn that. And as I came out of that, I'm back in corporate, right? So what am I doing next? So you know, I spent 10 years consulting then in, in change and business transformation, uh, specifically in digital. How do you scale a business? How do you get businesses to think more agile, 
use leverage technology from their marketing to their operations. Um, but the whole time, you know, I had these burning questions. I said, who the fuck am I? Like, really, who am I? What am I here for? I don't fit, didn't fit in military, didn't fit in corporate, didn't fit in the small business I had. And there was always this question around, what am I here for? There's got to be something else. That's it. I had no real meaning other than making money and trying to learn things. And it wasn't until I already went down the spiritual path and the constant learning from mentors and courses and development that gave me a lot more clarity as to, right, this is how the world works. This is who we really are. This is where we really come from. This is why we're really here. And then specifically, what's my role in all of this? So that gave me some understanding and, and some meaning. <clears throat> and that's then when I started to pivot into what I'm doing now and that in the last three or four years. And some of the tools that I, I'd learned, and again, the they're pretty out there, but um, the people that I learned these from were very mainstream. You know, they come out of government, um, very successful in corporate, uh, very successful in the finance world. And they're using astrologers and shamans and psychics. And I thought, you're kidding me, what? You, out of all people, you're, you've got a team of those people on your team? And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how we stay alive. That's how we succeed. I said, why didn't anyone else tell me about this? <laughs> so, so what I realized is that that's how the elite operate. They're operating on a different level completely. We've been given all this dumbed down information to keep us in this containment field, but the elite are operating on a completely different level. So I started to learn some of those tools and learn some of those techniques and learn some of the frameworks and understanding, and then it's a different game. And, you know, one of those tools was, was human design, which gave me a lot of clarity as to who I was, what I'm here for, what my purpose is, what my real skills are, not what psychological tools tell me my skills are which I were always different. But, you know, when I had my skills told to me, it's just like, my gosh, okay, that explains 20 years of what I've been doing. Now I know, now I know why all these things have happened. It literally was like a, a movie being played in two hours as to who I was and why. And that was game changing. So that gave me the, the clarity to, to move forward with what I'm doing now and basically essentially help other people figure out who are they, what they're here for, what is their purpose, what are their true gifts, what are their success codes, and how they can navigate this matrix to to find that elusive fulfillment that a lot of people are looking for. You know, um, I know before this call we had, um, before we started recording here, we, had, we spoke about PTSD. And the previous guest you had on and one of the mentors I learned from it's an ancient healing technique, again, that I'd never heard of. But a lot of people with PTSD have got um, entities in them. So under universal law, once you experience a level of trauma or you take someone else's life, you're then leaving yourself open to someone else coming in or something else coming in. And this has been proven um, with hundreds and hundreds of people. Once they get these things removed, all of a sudden now <clears throat> they're back in control of the car. And again, eye-opener, you know, coming out of corporate and business, this is like, what, really? You mean there's an entity inside you that's controlling you? Like, 
how does that work? So really powerful stuff. And once <clears throat> all these things connect to other things, all these topics that we talk about are all interrelated. And um, it's only in the last few years that a lot of that's been sort of come to light and crystallized in terms of how things really function. So that's a, a long-winded backstory, but you, you know, <laughs> I hope that paints the picture. <laughs> it does, and I'm smiling ear to ear right now. Time is such an interesting thing. So I have to share with you, Paul, that um, I think it was three guests ago I had um, uh, someone on the podcast. And at the very end of the podcast, this guest said to me, I feel to, called to ask you about human design. Have you ever heard of it? And I said, you know, I think I've heard a thing or two, but I don't know that much. And this guest then said, I want to I chart it for you. And I said, okay, let's do this. And that guest read my chart last week. Wow. After which I purchased a book on human design and read it this past weekend. <laughs> wow, there we go. Fantastic. And here you are mentioning human design <laughs> and how it changed your life. So so I would I would love to start there. And I'm just gonna preface this with I will be sending you my chart, <laughs> which you will probably not be surprised by some Please of what do. you see. But um, without kind of giving away the whole thing, can you can you sort of talk a little bit about for the people listening? A little bit about human design and, and why you felt it it so kind of altered your perspective on some of this stuff and and i'm very fresh in this i'm literally like 48 hours into this and i can feel the tingling of of, of what it is because i agree with you it it made so much sense when i was like oh wow now i'm going back and looking at the past 20 years differently so would love for you to talk a little bit about that because it's just so interesting to me the synchronicity here isn't it funny how we had this we tried to have this conversation a few weeks ago as well um, right before i answer that i'd love to know like just what are your top three takeaways from human design other than being transformative and different perspective yeah so my top three takeaways um one is i learned um that i'm a generator and being a generator um is an interesting concept and I encourage people to kind of look into what that is. But one of the things I took away was, um, I'm a motor. I'm literally a motor that cannot stop. And how that has shown up in my life is uh, I'm a lifelong learner. I am insatiably curious and that will never stop. And what's really interesting to me is I was able to, to go back and almost assess all of the moments of frustration that people have had with me about the, you know, about the why does it matter and why must you need to know this and why do you need to understand all of it and where it comes from and the origin, you know. The analogy I can give to people is I'm not a great flyer, like on I mean, when I'm in a plane and I mean, I'm okay, right? I've flown all my life since I was a newborn onward, but. I don't really enjoy the experience. People say, well, why? Like, you know, you've flown all your life. Well, because I need to know every aspect of what's happening. I need, and I've read, I've read books on aeronautical engineering. I've read books on weather, <laughs> meteorology, stress of what it means to be a pilot. I've read it all, Paul. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and I'm still not satiated. And I still take the unknowns and the uncertainties into the seat with me. And, and there's that aspect of that constant um, learning. So that's, that's one thing I learned is sort of the motor. The other thing I learned is the defined and the undefined parts of, of who I am. And um, you probably won't be surprised to learn that I have a very defined sacral and a very defined spleen, but my crown is uh, undefined and my root is undefined. So what that means is things come into me constantly in two directions. Um, and that made a lot of sense to me being the empath that I am. Um, but the third thing I took away was it's not my job to process it all. And one of the things that was really interesting to me in the, in the, the chart and in the reading was it is not my role to answer all the questions. And the question I asked back to the person doing the chart reading was, then why does it feel that way? Because that's the undefined function, right? That's the shadow. Yeah, that's the shadow. Yeah. So those are kind of three things that, and again, I'm 48 hours into this. So forgive me, man. <laughs> Cause like, no, no, you're, you're in for a treat then. This is, this is a seven year experiment, right? Yeah. And, and I appreciate you sharing that too, Bill. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. And I can see the whole open crown piece because I'm the same. Mm -hmm. This insatiable learning, this nonstop stuff coming in always, yeah. trying to process the world's information, trying to organize the world. Mm -hmm. And um, the short answer is we, we just can't do that. That's not what we're here for. That's our right. shadow. <clears throat> yeah. It's also our opportunity for our greatest wisdom potential. Mm -hmm. So, um, Man, that's awesome. I, yeah, let's, let's, let's look at your details <laughs> or your chart in more detail at some, some point down For the track sure. on a separate call. But yeah. um, so look, human design to me is, um, and by the way, I started studying this officially two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, but what I did study was BG5. So BG5 is a different language of human design. It's, it's more the career and business aspect. Yeah. And BG5 allows me to uh, assess teams, obviously an individual, but also teams, small teams and large corporate teams. So I could re-engineer an organization with the BG5, what they call OC16 um, uh, methodology. Mm. And it's so powerful because it factors in the whole essence of who you are, like a three-dimensional perspective of you and how your interaction from an auric field and energy perspective relates to your team members. And every time you add something into the mix, it changes the color. Like mixing yellow paint and, green and blue paint, it goes green. Yeah. You know, and every time you add a new person into the mix, that color changes slightly. So that's essentially what I, I'm doing now is I want to bring that system into the mainstream because everyone I'm learning with and have learned from, it will. It, it's it's the assessment tool of the future. It will replace a lot of this psychological profiling that is extremely limited in its perspective and its depth mm -hmm. um but yeah it, in terms of the change it made to me i mean background for people essentially is it's 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 a synthesis of four different types of astrology merged with um modern science and it's the chinese I Ching, it's the western astrology it's the brahman chakra system and the Kabbalah tree of life mm -hmm. so just think of a venn diagram <clears throat> With those four systems wrap some modern science around it and you've got a really really comprehensive blueprint as to who you are 
but not using astrological terms, which is right. highly confusing to say the least. Um, mm -hmm. I've had many uh, charts read in terms of astrology. Confuses the heck out of me. It's a different language altogether. So BG5 is just a, a very simple presentation of who someone is at the core from a blueprint perspective. Like, here's your blueprint, Bill. Mm -hmm. right? This is who you are. This is what it means. And now I want you to go and experiment this over the next seven years as you have this cellular reset and you start to become who you truly are or you start to live the life you were designed to live as opposed to trying to do something that society said you should do. Right. So it's about deprogramming yourself. It's about uh, getting in touch with who you truly are and testing it. Don't just believe it. Go and test it. That's what I say to everyone. Um, but the biggest thing I got out of that <clears throat> human design piece was our decision-making strategy. You know, yeah. how do we make decisions? And to me, that was game-changing. You know, I've been using my head, this logical mind, and I'm sure you're the same. And this open crown, right? <laughs> Trying to rationally analyze everything that we come across in life. But in actual fact, that's why I've had so much suffering. Yeah. That's why I've had so many ups and downs and so much, um, so many of the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. Because my brain is, is so limited in its perspective, but my body is infinitely more powerful in terms of its intelligence, being able to read the terrain and identify what's right for me and what's not. So that's my biggest takeaway in practicing that, you know, as a, I'm a manifesting generator uh, or an express builder. I'm an builder. emotional generator, so. Right. <laughs> so you'd be, a, you'd be an express builder as well then. Yeah. In BG5 terms. So essentially, you know, we're here to get things done, get them done quickly, you know, bang, 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 step in, step out kind of thing. And then if you're in change, that's, that's a great role, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the decision-making strategy for me was was the biggest game changer. Um, I'm the same as you, emotional. It's 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 a um, emotional response. Mm -hmm. So you and I both go through this wave of emotion before we can make a decision. We have to go through the highs and the lows before we can decide. Right. And just for your listeners too, that this is the decisions that are designed for for us, not the decisions for the business necessarily or for you know how to run this spreadsheet. That's where the mind comes in but it's about making a decision that's right for you. Your career could be, it could be a relationship, it could be a, your next move in your, in, your, in your role, could be what am I gonna have for lunch today, it could be you know, where do I invest my money, but that decision-making strategy, the body's always talking to us. That's been game-changing. That in itself has just transformed my reality because now I'm actually listening to my true authority and I'm making decisions that logically don't make sense half the time, mm -hmm. but I'm learning to trust this decision-making strategy and this body intelligence talking to me. Yeah. Um, and it takes some training, it takes some skill. Yeah, I mean, it's been so, <clears throat> like I said, it's only been 48 hours that I've kind of been really holding this information. And as you described so well, it's about, like it's the deep programming that I can already feel. You know, when you when you when I learned that sort of energy comes in, but where energy goes out is in my throat, is it sort of at the throat chakra, you know, the communication makes sense, right? We're talking on a podcast, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, you put your power out into the world through 
through the the words you use. We were talking before about the power of etymology, you know, the tone in which you use it. Um, it's really interesting to go through and, and read some of this stuff um, and understand how much deprogramming has to happen before you can really tap into what is what is the inherent natural unbridled you yeah in some sense and i can't imagine you know this in the sense of in 48 hours how much it's rocked my world imagine what this will be like seven years into you know learning and and as you've as you've discussed it's the how you make decisions and what choices you make and what you take on and the you know one of the other things i learned in it was that that sense that I always have of I need to sleep on it before I make a decision. Mm, yeah. That is so true. And anybody who wants to rush me or say you just have to make it, or, like that's not going to work for me. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah, totally. So knowing it's actually has nothing to do with me not supporting another human being or saying to someone, um, I don't respect the fact that you need to make a fast decision, but just saying that's not how I'm programmed. Um, yes, I listen to my gut. My gut also needs about a night to sleep on it. And knowing that and not having to ever question that. And to your point around teams, right? When you pull together teams, if you just, if you know that, then people know how to use that gift, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we need a, if we need a quick answer, great. We can ask Bill and he might, he might tell us, well, I think this is where I'm leaning. But if you want the certainty, if you want the wherewithal, if you want, and it doesn't have to be right away, you can afford a night, have Bill think about it. Can you imagine how powerful that would be when, imagine if corporations, if we had individuals in corporations knew what every player on the team what their strengths were, with whether it's a baseball card system or a football card system or some sort of card system that you could walk into a meeting with and hey here's bill's superpowers yep exactly hey, here's bill's you know shadows yep. and i think that's <clears throat> that's something i'm working on now is is how do we bring this wisdom into teams so that we can be more effective as leaders be more effective at doing our jobs be more fulfilled in our jobs that's even that alone is, is revolutionary for most people on the planet. Imagine if even just half the population or 10% of the population absolutely loved what they're doing because now they're doing what they're designed to do in a way that best resonates or sits with them. You know, I think it's, it's game changing. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's a side project we can work on, Bill. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, I, I tell you, right, that's the other thing too. Is, and, and this is no surprise either, but like once I get hooked into something, I don't let go. So <laughs> I, have, I have no off switch, Paul, so just fair warning. Um, there was, it was interesting. There was a, another gentleman I spoke to recently, um, and one of the things he surfaced in his research was um, the, amount, the amount of like we spend in meetings. And I think the number was pretty staggering. I think somebody that works 22 to 25 years, about half the time they spend in meetings and about half of half of that time is meetings that didn't need to happen. So if you think about that, that's 11 years in meetings and about five to six years that could have been meetings that you avoided. 
when you put this lens on top of what you're talking about, I can't even imagine like you could give people so much time back yeah. towards fulfillment. And just imagine corporations too, how profitable they'd be. Mm. Cut the, I mean, I, you, you and I are like cutting the fat out. Let's just get to, get to the root cause, <clears throat> fix the problem. And you're, and you're right. And I think maybe this is a community project we could document together and, and invite more people in as a collaborative sharing piece to, to share this knowledge and um, start to put some building blocks around this. Uh, I'm sure that guest of yours had some great tips on how to manage Mm-hmm. time in those meetings as well mm-hmm. um, or how to say no what questions to ask before they go into right. a meeting right. so yeah, I, I i agree i think there's a lot of things we could overlay we could create we can create a venn diagram out of this right? mm. <laughs> when it seems like i mean i remember reading like some of the things that you had said you've basically and keep me honest here you've basically taken every type of leadership development thing you could possibly get your hands on you've kind of been through it all you've 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 seen it all and you essentially want to save people from spending a whole bunch of money they don't need to spend is that right well that's that's one of the goals absolutely is to save people the time money and the heartache yeah. But um, and look, I haven't I haven't done everything. Obviously, there's there's so much out there. Um, I wouldn't proclaim to be a, a guru or an expert on anything. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's part of who we are is constantly learning, right? right. So, so from that perspective, um, my role is really to give people certainty and help them remove the doubt. You know, if you're in the personal development world and you're thinking about investing a dump of a, hump, a bunch of cash on a program, how do you know it's the right fit for you? How do you know if that program is going to be a good use of your time? Is it going to achieve the goals you expect it will? I think everything's going to shift you one step closer to uh, the new you or the true you or becoming better. Absolutely. And that's part of the journey. But what if I could re-engineer a framework for people to say, right, these are the top 10 things over the next six years that, that are going to be the most powerful for me right now or the next six months. Like learning your decision-making strategy, you learn that one thing and integrate that and embody that, you don't need anything from anyone else because now you can make the right decisions for yourself. You know what's best for you. You don't need anyone to tell you. So you're naturally going to, to have your compass switched on for the first time in your life and be able to find your way home. And that's what I think this is about is, is how do we help people return home to find that fulfillment, that freedom, that level of contribution, the satisfaction, be able to feed their families and take care of their loved ones, um, gain more meaning out of life, um, stop wasting their hard-earned cash that they're being taxed on so many times over and over and over again and harvested. Mm. Um, you know, I think... I think we've spoke before this recording started that, you know, what's really going on in the world. And mm. that's essentially the goal <clears throat> through some of these tools. Yeah. I'm curious when you, like, obviously the concept of like having, helping people kind of go home is such a warm concept, right? Like everybody can sort of close their eyes and have that sensation of, man, I'm going, I'm going home. Like what a great, what a great feeling. And at the same time, what you're talking about is actually kind of unsubscribing from something we've, this narrative that people have 
unintentionally been subscribing to for such a long time, which in itself, I don't want to underestimate here, is kind of a scary experience. So, so how is it to, how is it that people can, I don't want to say balance that out, but it's going to come up, right? Like there's going to be moments where people are like, wait a minute, my decision says I should do this, yet my performance management all my career has told me I should do that. I'm now realizing I want to go home and be truer to me. That might require you to literally reject what was. That's a pretty scary experience. I mean, that's change at the heart of it, right? How do, how do you do that? How do people do that? <laughs> that's a good question, isn't it? I think it's, I think a lot of it's about letting go, as you said earlier, right? Deep the deprogramming because we're so conditioned to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. You know, someone says got the latest tablet or, or phone. You know, someone says got this kind of car, and someone says got that kind of job, and so there's a competition inherently that's been uh, instilled into us. But that's not how the universe works. The universe is abundant by sheer nature, mm. right? But we've been programmed for scarcity, and the the money system itself is a scarce system. It, there's a finite amount of dollars on the planet that needs to be distributed amongst certain people. So we're all fighting for that. Corporations are the same. There's only one job at the top as a CEO. <clears throat> then there's middle management, then there's different layers of management below that. And so everyone's fighting for this, you know, scarce position at the top, essentially. And that's all an illusion. Most people who are in that matrix let's call it how happy are they how many relationships have failed I mean, if you look at certain uh, careers you know the legal fraternity is, is one that comes to mind one of the highest rates of divorce on the planet why it's it's this because they're, they're caught up in this ego and there's this constant striving to be better and be more and this next position and this competition this scarce mindset and but that's not who we are you know, if I, like I used to work in a top tier law firm and if I asked 99% of the people there, they're not happy. And they feel like they have to keep up this appearance. And they've lost their health, they've lost their loved ones, or they've lost quality of life working 60, 80, 90 hours a week. And they're not fulfilled. So what next? What's, what's going to make you feel? And I think this is where people need to stop and have this inquiry. You know, maybe you do it for a period of time and then have an exit strategy. Um, will you be a lot happier doing something that you're truly designed to do? And if so, what is that? What does that look like? Right. And that's the well, challenge. I mean, it's, it's so fascinating to think about, <clears throat> you know, even the, even these these old adages we've said like midlife crisis, right? I remember when I turned 40, everybody was kind of like, get ready for the midlife crisis, right? And I said, one man's crisis is another man's awakening. <laughs> it all just depends on what you do with it. <laughs> right? So I can understand why it's some, to some it would feel like a crisis. Because to your point, if somebody hands you a compass and you realize that maybe you've been headed in the wrong direction for a while and this compass actually puts you in the right direction, you're going to have a crisis moment. Hmm. But it all just shows up a little differently. You know, we laugh and tell stories about the stereotypical person who might go out and buy a car or go, you know, have an affair with somebody younger, you know, at the, I believe in the heart of that is people actually getting in touch with their 
inner child, who they always wanted to be, who they couldn't be, right? And they're having that moment, the first choice to say, I don't necessarily want to be on that conveyor belt. I want to do my own thing. But to your point, in some systems, that's destructive. Absolutely. I agree with that. And it's just an interesting challenge, you know, that we're the more the more that we learn, the more that we look inward, the more that we ask questions, the more that these things we've just accepted to be kind of fall away. But then you're left with a big, a big gaping what if. And for some people, that's scarier. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Change is the hardest part, isn't it? <clears throat> I had a good analogy explained recently that I that really stood out and I'd love to share this with yourself and your listeners. It was about the different layers of conscious awareness and the different realities. So just imagine you've had a deck of cards and they're lying flat on the table, right? So you've just placed the deck of cards on the table. The only way to insert cards is from the side. You can't go from the top down or from the bottom up. So imagine you've got a deck of cards, there's 52 plus two for the joker. Now imagine you put 50 decks of cards or 100 decks of cards and you stack them up. And that's essentially the analogy of the different layers of, of conscious awareness that we go through, the different realities in this matrix. And now imagine if you try, if you're on the bottom rung, that very bottom card on the table, the very first one you're trying to look up and you can't see that next level, right? But imagine if you're at the very top, you can see down. So they're transparent looking from the top down, but from the bottom up, it's opaque, you can't see. And that's what happens as we go through these different levels of awakening, conscious awareness. What we're doing is we're entering into a different reality because I'm sure we've all had conversations where we've tried to explain something to someone and they absolutely flat out refuse to even acknowledge it because it's not part of their reality. It's, it just doesn't exist, right? They're, they're on a different frequency. And this has always baffled me because there's things I've learned that are common sense and logical, but then I try and explain to someone else and there's this absolute refusal to even, even acknowledge it. Mm. No, that's not true. It's false. It's rubbish. It's, it's, that doesn't exist. They contradict themselves throughout the conversation in different areas but they're not even aware of that contradiction, which again, baffled me because logically that didn't make sense. But when I had this analogy explained to me, it's yeah, they're caught in a different reality. They're actually in a different reality and they cannot see beyond that as they're trying to look upwards. But you're one or two or three or 10 levels above them in terms of your conscious awareness and your different realities. So you've got perspective. And that to me was a game changer. I thought, wow, okay, cool. All right, now I get it. Now I don't have to try and convince people. And there's, as you said, what you're doing here, Bill, is we're having these conversations and these questions and this inquiry process prompts people and people ask themselves their own questions or they think about some of the questions that you ask. And that could be a light bulb moment that mm -hmm. takes them from that bottom card to the next level up. And it's like, oh, wow, okay, right. Now I just saw something I never saw before. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is fascinating. I, I studied um, another system that, um, again, I'm all, I'm all about the systems, right? We're just like collectors <laughs> of systems. I studied the Enneagram for about a year. And, awesome. Um, yeah, and it was so interesting because 
that similar to your deck of cards analogy that I got was um, this very clear picture of imagine you're in a flat and there's a flat above you, but you've never actually poked your head up to see what it's like up there. Mm. And when you do, you can't unsee what you've seen. So you could go back down to your flat, but you're always wondering about what's in the flat above. And you're like, well, if it's this nice up here, well, how nice is it a, the flat above them? Right, and, exactly. And so you just keep poking your head up. Um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of balance. But you go back down to the lower flat where you're at. You're still, you've still seen what you've seen. And you wonder what you wonder and you question what you question. And I just remember that thinking, wow, this is pretty un- unbelievable. And there were days I wish I hadn't because it was harder to yeah, come you, back down. You're right. You can't unknow it, can you? No. I kind of, I've been reflecting on this too, thinking about like Maslow's hierarchy. Mm. You know, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy and the very top is self-actualization. And I had this interesting experience as a kid where it was all about certainty and security at the bottom level, right? Because I didn't come from a very wealthy family. But at 23, I'm offered a contract worth millions. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I've gone straight to from the bottom to the top self-actualization. What next? Right. Who am I? What am I here for? I feel like a phony. You know, if I've achieved all my financial monetary goals and bought all the material things and my investments, who the hell am I? What am I going to do with my life? Hmm. That was that was one of the problems I faced. Hmm. So I had this, this dilemma for the next 20 years. What do I do? You know, money is going to give me options, but it won't make me happy. And when I was a kid, I thought money would make me happy, but it won't. So I had this, these conflicting beliefs that I had to try and sort out over the you know, last 20 years. And we kind of get to this. So that was my, I guess it was a, it was a burden, if you like, getting to this point of self-actualization at a very early age. But then having, I was pulled back down to the bottom rung many times. I've come up to the top, come back down to the bottom. So it's this constant yo-yo and having to go and, what they call earn a living, which just that sheer definition of what is an urn? Yeah, exactly. uh, earns, an urn is where someone's ashes go, right? What Your, is an urn and what is a mortgage? That's right, right. So it's a, yeah. So all this language, this this word etymology, and I just didn't have the impetus to go and work a job. And so what am I doing that for? I want to solve major problems. You know, I've 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 been in operations in running charities for a few years. And it was a lot of work, a lot of work. And at the very end of it, it's just like, well, what am I doing this for? It's great that people are happy and all the rest of it, but this isn't solving the problem. This is actually perpetuating the problem right. because people are now dependent on me participating in this every year. And I don't have the bandwidth to keep doing this on top of my business and my other things that I'm running. This is all voluntary work. Right. So. I thought, no, this is this is this is not going to solve any problems. I need to figure out the root cause of this problem, and that was part of my inquiry for the last twenty-five years: is what's the root cause of all the problems on the planet, yeah. and then how do we solve that? And then so. how do we solve that? Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's the same challenge. We think about healthcare, right? Like, yes, how much time do we spend talking about the symptoms? Let's go to the root cause. But the system is not set up to investigate the root cause because if we investigate the root cause, we might stop it at the root. And then what would fund all of the branches of revenue making parts of the system? 
That's okay. it. Totally right. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> so, so root cause is the is the key. And I, I, in healthcare, interestingly enough, I've been studying a little bit of German new medicine. Mm. Um, I'd highly recommend to anyone who's interested in in health to look at that because the Dr. Harmer who's researched that and proven this, this is actually proven that most of the diseases out there can be completely reversed. It's, it's because of a traumatic incident that affects the brain and then obviously affects the body and the organs. And, and you can just think about most diseases on the planet are all linked to some form of trauma. Yeah. So I found that fascinating to learn that holy moly, there's, we could actually, there's 101 different modalities to release trauma from the body. And I had learned that at 22 with this Maori healer, um, even though I had no understanding of the impact or the context at the time, 20 years later, I've come full circle running, oh, wow, okay, trauma is one of the root causes of chronic disease and we can actually reverse that. My gosh, you mean I don't need the supplements or the medication? No, of course not. You can reverse it. So that was game changing. And I think that model, as you just said, rightfully is, is we get to the root cause and we re reverse the root cause, we can unwind everything else. We don't need to keep treating the symptoms. Right. There's a great book that, um, <clears throat> that I'm almost done with. It's called Lost Connections. And um, it's sort of a retelling or an investigation of kind of the truth about depression. And, and he is essentially the author posits this. He says the same thing. He said, this is not really about, is my brain wired a certain way? Is your brain wired a certain way? It's really about loss connection to our real natural selves. Yeah. And the more that we became dependent on different narratives or different medications or different prescriptions, we started to believe that. And he goes around the world. He interviews people from all over the place, scientists, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. And it comes down to exactly what you're talking about, which is, I mean, he basically says that you can be dependent on this thing that's going to maybe make you feel better, but it's never going to truly get to the root cause um, of of what it means to be connected to self and then connected to other. And it's kind of like what you and I were talking about even before the recording, right? Which is this aspect of um, what is the source of uh, tension? What is the source of trauma? What is the source of conflict, right? If, every, if everybody just stopped for a moment and kind of got to at peace with themselves, would there be any seeds for conflict? I believe there wouldn't because people would see sort of the universality. People would see this aspect of I'm no different than you and you're no different than me. But it takes a lot of work to get to that place of peace with yourself. Um, yeah, I agree I mean, with that. It's, it's I agree with that. Controversial stuff that we're saying. But... <laughs> well, that lost connections is interesting. I've, I've, I think can't remember who I learned this from many years ago, but the same thing, same conclusion, right? That we had this disconnection to ourselves. We're disconnected from ourselves, from source, from spirit, from the planet. We're disconnected on so many levels. Yeah, so we're all disconnected from ourselves, from source, from the planet, from spirit, and that's the cause of everything essentially and our whole system has been uh, architected in such a way through the ego of separatism right and the minute we put a label on something we are creating separatism we're separating 
you know, it's if you look at religion, it's the same thing, highly controversial. But you know, you get different religions. It's all about I'm in this camp. I've got this label, black versus white, the same thing. Male versus female, straight versus gay. It's all about separatism. And the minute we start to remove every, imagine if the world removed every single label, what are we left with? We're left with just just one thing. There aren't, and I think that would be that would eradicate most of the problems that exist and all the conflict that exists in one simple strategy by removing every single label. So that's part of what I'm all about too, is helping people get back to the uniqueness of who they really are by removing all the labels. <clears throat> you know, people talk about, you know, what diet do you eat, Paul? You know, it's just like, I don't do diets. I eat whatever I, whatever's best for me. I've tried, you know, the vegan, but I still ate meat. Well, then it's not vegan. It's just like, that's right. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just a label. Why can't I have predominantly fresh organic vegetables and have the odd steak when I feel like it, you know, or all the old prawns because they're good for my DHA and oysters, you know? So there's all these things and all these labels. You're just like, hang on a second. I'm, I'm an outlier in that context as well. And I'm sure you are too, Bill, where people try and put you in a box and this is one, that's it. And this is what I didn't like and what did not resonate with, with me when it came to the personality profiling, you know, Enneagram, I did study for a while, um, Myers-Briggs, DISC, um, Gallup, all of them, every time I would do them, they were different. And I'd never felt, it, it didn't never resonated with me, ever. And I always felt like someone was trying to put a label on me to try and uh, justify or explain or rationalize um, who I was. And it didn't fit. It was so interesting. There was a documentary called Persona, um, which was about the Myers-Briggs, which you would love. And it, it's an expose about how it really came to be. And it, and it, oh, really? And it was, oh, yeah. And it's just fascinating because, because without giving it all away, the woman who designed it um, basically just watched her own child behave in a certain way in a set of experiments. And because she didn't like what she saw her child doing, she just rationalized it through her own <laughs> theories to make herself feel better as a mother. Isn't that a great analogy for life? <laughs> right. How, how our entire thing's been, our system's been constructed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great documentary because you literally say to yourself, oh my gosh, this thing is being used, is being wielded like a tool, yeah. like, a, like, a, like a saber in organizations against people and it and you go to the origins of it and you think this should not be used at all the way we're using it and and it does it it changes people's trajectory and it tells people you can't be this and you must be that and you fit in this bucket it's all crap all of it <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you've said that because that was my conclusion yeah. going through those assessments myself yeah. absolutely and so again I think in some vein, someone has to be curious enough to actually entertain that thought that the tool that was used to put me in a box, to tell me you're going to be a good student, to tell me you're going to be a good corporate employee, to tell me you should go down this track, that whole thing is false. So if that is false, then who am I? Exactly. It's pretty terrifying and pretty freeing at the same time. <clears throat> Liberating, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is where we have the opportunity to start to review other solutions. I mean, 
The stuff, some of the stuff we talk about, Bill, is a lot of people aren't open to it because it's never entered their reality, as we spoke about earlier. Mm. But how do we solve these problems with the same level of mind? We can't. We have to, we have to look for different perspectives. And I think this is what you've experienced in the last five years with this podcast is you've spoken to so many people, you've got so many different perspectives on so many different topics. You've got a different level of mind to most people now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you always have because you've been curious. Curiosity is at the core of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so how do you now, or how do all of us solve this problem? And, and rather than saying, no, that just sounds too woo woo and too out there. Just stop and think for a second. It's, it's, this is the level of mind that got us into the mess. It's not going to get us out of it. We have to look for something different. And I just encourage everyone to, to be open to possibilities, even if they don't understand it. You don't need to understand things. And I've been learning something recently, which I'd, I'd love to share, which is about um, this childlike innocence mm-hmm. as a state of being to access our superconscious or our, our creative powers. And that's really fascinating because what you said about flying, you're always trying to understand it. I'm the same. Everything I do, I'm trying to rationally organize the world. I've literally got flowcharts and diagrams and matrices and just, just everything to try and organize the world to try and compute it with my, you know, my useless brain. But we don't need to because we can actually interpret things very differently. The minute we try and let go of trying to control things, the universe opens up infinite possibilities of what can come our way. And that's really, really hard, especially people in corporate. And especially if you're in a leadership position where you're trying to control the outcomes because your paycheck's dependent on it and keeping your job's dependent on it. But that's, that's again, another illusion. And that's, I'm now unlearning that. And that's really, really challenging because even a lot of the healing work I do and and the work I've done with some of my mentors and shamans, it's, I'm always trying to logically understand what they're teaching me, but yeah, but I can't get it. And I feel stupid when I walk out of there. And yet I have someone else walk in who doesn't have the logical mind that I do. And they are having massive, massive breakthroughs. They're accelerating their performance. They're making a massive impact in the world. And yet here I am trying to logically organize with my mind which is holding me back a thousandfold. It's incredible. Well, there's two things and then and then we'll wrap up here. <laughs> One, I'm going to send you my notes from my human design chart and you're going Please to laugh do. out loud because it's just <laughs> like, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I totally get it. There's, it's me trying to figure it all out in a very logical way, um, which you're going to love. Um, it's, it's like a mind map on top of a mind map on top of a mind map. But, and the second thing, the childlike wonder. I love that you talked about that because when I do think about that airplane example, I sometimes remind myself, you know, when the child first walks down the aisle on an airplane and you can tell it's all new to them and they're yeah. looking around and they're like looking at the numbers and out the window or you watch a child watch you take off for the first time. I try so hard to get myself back to that place of that childlike wonder because to your point, that's, the beauty of it, right? They're taking it all in and they're like, this is amazing. Yes, it is amazing. We are in this aluminum tube that weighs a lot <laughs> that by physics law should not be getting off the ground, but it is. Yeah. And it's wondrous. And I find myself sometimes I have to move from here, like the head back down to, you know, kind of the heart space to just take in 
all the wondrous around us. And then you get through it fine. But that's also the opening. That's when you look out in the clouds, you look at the ground and you have these, these moments of breakthrough. You have these creative downloads that come to you because you're out of your head, because you're telling the system for a second, the flow charts, you get a day off. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's really hard. Tell me about it. And how magnetic are those kids, right? How, oh, how magnetic. so incredible. You, they're just so adorable. And it's just such a cute, um, um, even an adult going through that process, it, it, they're magnetic because that's the natural beauty of who we all are. Yeah. You know, and, and, we, and we, yeah, I think we, we've lost that. Mm-hmm. We've been, we got to get been, back to that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good point. All right. Before we wrap up, where can people, well, first of all, we're definitely going to be having a part two to this conversation. I can tell you that. Like, there's <laughs> going to be some part two on the books. But where could people find out more about you, all the things you're doing, uh, tap into some of that little echo location you're putting out into the world? <laughs> I appreciate it, Bill. Um, Paul B. Shepard, so Paul B. for Bravo Shepard, S-H-E-P-H-E-I-D.com website. There's some information there. Um, we're also got a Facebook group called Soul Purpose Mastery. So every every week we do a bit of a BG5 overview for, for one lucky winner. Um, but yeah, jump in the group, um, ask questions. We'd love to, to, to learn more about individuals, what their problems are. It gives me ideas on what content I can create and put out there and um, just want to get the conversation going so we can try and collectively solve more of these problems and you know it's not about what i know it's about what we all know collectively that we can contribute and collectively try and solve bigger issues so it's been a pleasure bill thank you i really appreciate it paul and and again the universe collectively told us we were not ready to have this conversation (laughs) until i had done my human design (laughs) well i can't wait to see it yeah, I'm going to send it over to you now and you'll you'll enjoy you'll laugh at it uh, with all the notes, but um, and then I'll set up time with you to, 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 you know, deconstruct it more. I really appreciate your time. You too, Bill. Absolute Thanks. pleasure and love what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate the support.